Mike Stokes with Wildlife Education. Today's podcast is how to deal with narcissists. So first, um, there's a lot of ideas about what a narcissist is. And so I'm going to make it moderately clinical and more appropriate for a layman's understanding. Um, a narcissist, uh, is a very technical term in psychology. And I think for most of us, that's kind of irrelevant. Um, if you're a psychologist and you're dealing with very specific types of personality disorders and you're trying to help them through those particular disorders, then it's very useful. But in our own life, in how to deal with the narcissists in our life, um, it's important. Uh, it's not important. What's more important is to recognize whether someone is dangerous to you um, or not. So <clears throat> the easiest way that you can define a narcissist is someone who lacks the ability to empathize, truly empathize, and act on that empathy in a way that um, sort of puts themselves in your shoes. Um, that's kind of the bottom line. Now, I'm going to use narcissist in sort of the term, in the broad sense that most people use narcissist, and that's that's really anybody who does that. Again, like I said, narcissists are a very defined subset. Um, what I'm mainly going to talk about today is how to deal with um, what are called in the, the technical term as a cluster B personality. And a cluster B personality is someone who, uh, again, lacks that capacity to empathize with your feelings. Um, they may seem like they do, but in reality, they really don't. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, there's people who are uh, antisocial that would fall into that category. There's people who are um, uh, volatile personalities. Um, they would fall into that category. Um, there's what we what the what's called in the psychological literature the the borderline personality that would fall into that personal into that. Um, that group, and then uh, the narcissist. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't want to get into all the distinctions of all those because I really don't think they're helpful. But what's really important is how do you deal with one of these people that truly lacks the capacity for empathy? <clears throat> so <clears throat> just a little bit about my experience in this realm. Um, I have always been a very sort of wear my heart on my sleeve kind of person, um, open my heart to everybody. And, um, for many years in my, the beginning of my, uh, personal development growth world, what I did was just constantly open, 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 open. And, uh, that, that had a huge amount of benefit. But one of the side effects is, is that when you crack yourself that far open, um, you allow predatory narcissists into your life. So <clears throat> I allowed a coach into my life. He was a predatory narcissist. Uh, and he, um, you know, took advantage of my labor. Um, and, and the way you can tell you're with a narcissist is that you hurt yourself or, or they hurt you. And somehow it's justified or somehow it's glossed over. Or somehow it's thought of not thought of as not important. Um, you know, when I was with this coach, um, I blew out my lower back. I ruptured 
L4, L5 in the disc and got a slip disc um, by helping him uh, in his work. Um, now, I can't blame that on him, and that's not the point. The point is to not blame narcissists for your life issues. The point is to know, notice when you're likely to get in uh, destructive situations when you're around certain people. <clears throat> and then fast forward, uh, I have a, a family member who is uh, married to a narcissist, and, and he was a very wealthy man, a multimillionaire, and now he's... Uh, um, basically living hand to mouth. First thing you need to do when you're dealing with a narcissist is you've got to identify them. Um, that's the hardest part in the beginning. Um, when I was waking up to the world of narcissists, you know, it's easy when you see, you know, a political rival or uh, a foreign country and you're just demonizing them. But when you've let somebody into your heart and you're really trying to have a relationship with them or you admire them or they have something that you want, then it more sticky. Uh, the challenge is, is to see the narcissist for what they are. Because what narcissists do is they make you feel like uh, you need them. They make you feel you're attracted to them. They're all charismatic in one way or another. Even the, the volatile personalities are charismatic in one way or another. So there's this balancing act between you discovering your tendencies that draw you into narcissists' webs um, and what they're doing. Uh, and it's really important that we all recognize that we have narcissistic tendencies in ourselves. We all have the tendency to want everything to be about us. We all want to talk about our problems and our accomplishments. Um, but the narcissist, the, so let me just say it this way. There's, there's what I call a red line. And the red line is the line between narcissistic tendencies and dangerous narcissists. And dangerous narcissists um, will take those um, uh, focus on self and take them to an extreme level that harms other people and they'll justify them in their thinking and in their actions. So uh, if you've ever had the experience like uh, uh, another very, very important point is that we all have a certain level of self-confidence. Now, there's two types of self-confidence. There's a false self-confidence, which is a mask for a deep insecurity. And that's what you'll see in the narcissist. And, and what you'll notice if you become a little bit emotionally adept is you'll notice that they um, there's something about their confidence that feels just slightly off to you. Um, I don't really want to talk about politics, but you know the truth is is that we have a narcissistic president. Now he's a genius when it comes to um, social manipulation um, and how to spin narratives so that people will be drawn to him, his particular tribe. But if you really pay attention to what's underlying all that, it, it's actually really obvious in his case that all of the bravado uh, covers up a very, very deep insecurity. So his, you know, being the president of the United States is a reaction to this deep insecurity. So what we need to do while we're identifying these narcissists in our life is to start building our own sense of deep self-confidence. And deep self-confidence does is it's quiet. It doesn't need uh, reassurance from the outside world. What it needs is, is it needs you to go in and discover the deep parts of yourself that are truly authentically power 
places for you. So when I was drawing these narcissists into my life, I also had a deep insecurity that manifested itself in sort of wanting to be in the lives of these people because I would feel like I was more than I was when I was around these people that either made me feel better about myself or made me feel better because I was in association with someone who was powerful. Um, so for me, I had lots of narratives and stories when I was younger about how I wasn't strong enough and how I wasn't manly enough and how uh, I wasn't good looking enough. Um, there was a lot of just, I wasn't enough. Um, and then over many, many years of, of reading and seminars and meditation and um, personal challenges and activities and hobbies, I slowly began to discover my deep power, which had nothing to do with manliness and had nothing to do with um, uh, so-called strength in the modern cultural context. Um, my power came from sort of a deep intelligence, a deep wisdom, a deep willingness to question my own assumptions um, and a connection to nature and an ability to use my hands. So it took me years to figure all that out. But once I figured all that out, then I was able to really start to exercise the narcissists in my life. Another way to think about a narcissist is they truly are vampires. Narcissists lack a fundamental root to their own core confidence and you could say the earth. And by lacking that root, they create an image around themselves that um, justifies who they are. Now, we all do that to a certain degree. But again, narcissists take it, dangerous narcissists take it to a level that harms other people. Um, we're all, we all go back and forth. We'll sort of say something that's mean to somebody or do something that doesn't help somebody else or that's harmful. Um, but a narcissist really can't get out, a dangerous narcissist really can't get out of that pattern. So a way to identify a, a dangerous narcissist is that not only will the conversation always sort of spin back to their narrative or spin back to what they want to talk about, it'll also make you feel just a little bit... Um, depleted at times. So what they do is they kind of suck energy out of you. And then when they notice that you're about to bolt or that they don't have a strong enough control over you, then they'll fill you back up. Now, for example, there's a lot of um, sort of narcissistic men or women. Um, in this case, I want to talk about people who marry other. So if you, uh, if, let's say you don't have a marriage contract and then you marry a narcissist, um, and let's say that narcissist now has a strong financial control over what's going to happen when you divorce. What typically happens is that narcissist will begin to take away all of the things that they gave you um, that were all of the things that you sort of married them for in the first place. All of the ego boosting things that they sort of gave you in the beginning. They'll pull those all away and just start taking. Um, because for a narcissist, what they're doing is they're feeding their raw um, wounded child inside of them. There's almost always some sort of abuse that happened in their childhood. Uh, it's either emotional or a physical abuse, or uh, the parent was in 
incredibly was not incredibly, but was some sort of narcissist in themselves and removed the emotional attention or made the emotional attention of the child dependent upon their fulfilling their own narcissistic needs. So then the child learns that the only way that they can survive in this environment is to do the exact same thing. So they go to battle narcissistically with their parents and then they get, they start to get the feed that's that the parents not giving them. So once a narcissist gains control over you, then they begin to extract more. Like a vampire, once the vampire has you locked in there, they've seduced you, then they begin to draw your energy out of you. But there's always a seduction phase. So seduction doesn't have to look sexual. It could be emotional. It could be financial. It could be um, many different levels. It could be mental. It could be, you know, the guru who says all the things that sort of make you feel like you're having a transcendent experience in your mind. But a narcissist uh, is fundamentally about control. So a way to identify them is you'll feel like if you do something, so let me, let me backtrack and just, let me, let me start that over. The way to identify, the best way to identify a narcissist is to try to have some sort of conflict resolution with them. So if you're, let's say, you know that there's something that they don't want and you're coming in to the situation with 100% commitment to uh, make sure that they get some of their needs, needs met and you get some of your needs met. If you're interacting with a narcissist or, um, like I said, the spectrum of um, cluster B personality disorders where they can't actually empathize with you, um, what you'll notice is, is the moment that you make a firm commitment, it's like I am going to hold a boundary so that my needs get met. I'm not going to try to trample on your needs, Mr. or Mrs. Narcissist. I'm just going to make sure that my needs get met. I'll hear what you have to say, but I'm not going to let you take something that's vitally important to me. What you'll notice in that moment is, is that they will put your relationship on the chopping block. They will be willing, they will, they will be willing to leave. They'll threaten you. There'll be no, what, what narcissists truly lack is the capacity to have any type of conciliatory uh, conflict resolution. So that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that a narcissist can't do conflict resolution. So that's really your litmus test. If you're trapped in relationships that feel like, you know, you're, you're listening to this audio because you're sort of hearing about this narcissist thing and think that you might be engaged with narcissists in your life. They could be your bosses. They could be your coworkers. They could be your neighbor. They could be your wife. They could be your child as well. But that would be primarily because either you or the other person in your, in your family, your, your partner is a narcissist or whoever your child spends the most time with. Um, so it could be, the point is it could be anybody. So the best way to identify a narcissist, there's, there's all kinds of clues, but the best way to identify them is to have the courage to try to, to, to engage in a conversation where you're truly going to work at conflict resolution and you're not going to let them take you over. Uh, and when you do that, then they will become a problem. They'll move from someone who you've thought you've made excuses for. So what a narcissist typically does is they'll, um, they'll make you feel like you need to justify their behavior. Um, and you really only start to see their bad behavior once you're completely out 
of the narcissistic pattern. So again, you really need to start looking at your own spectrum of narcissism. We all are on the spectrum of the narcissist. We all want to be the center of attention to one degree or another, even if we're introverts and we say we don't be like being around people. There's some way that that introversion is a way that we get to keep our attention focused on ourselves. So we all like that. But the, the red line is that a narcissist hurts other people in order to keep that center of attention. No matter what it takes, they'll keep themselves as the center of attention. Now, they'll let the they'll let the the center drift. It doesn't have to be there. They don't have to be the center of attention 100% of the time. But and the the more they're like I said the spectrum, the farther they are on the spectrum of narcissists in any of those cluster B personalities, the more the attention will need to be centered on them. The farther away from the the spectrum of narcissists, that dangerous narcissists that they are, then the less they'll need to be the center of attention. Um, but still, dangerous narcissists will go back and forth. They'll let you be the center for a while, and then they'll take the center back. Or when, what you'll notice is, is that a narcissist will either subtly demean you, or they will um, pick a fight with you, or they'll um, make sure that you... Uh, um, bring the attention back to their problems. Now, technically, the, the narcissist that brings your attention back to their problems is not really a narcissist. That's a heuristic. It's a different, different category for that, but it's really not important. What's important is, um, is to start to identify those people that cannot truly empathize with you. Now, the weird thing is, is with the borderlines. So borderlines are the type of narcissist that's a very, it's the most dangerous in my opinion, because they're extremely covert. Um, they uh, put up an incredibly powerful facade and they're very charismatic in their own way. A lot of times you'll find that these borderlines, they have this way with strangers. So strangers will feel charmed and enlightened. And so they, when you're around them in some, the ones that are extroverts, when you're around them in groups of people, they will um, sort of lighten up the group at first. But what happens is, is the longer you interact with one of these types of borderlines, the more intimate you become with them, then the more destructive and dangerous it becomes. It's just cycles down this pattern flow. So when that happens, then you know that you're with a full fledged borderline and a borderline will um will flatter you they'll make you feel like a million dollars and then when so they'll what they do is they'll they'll create a fantasy image of you and then they'll put you in this fantasy image and then when ultimately you uh don't live up to that fantasy image that they put you in then they'll tear you down now the thing about that is they'll only do that in the context of which they're not socially outed so if 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 you put a public eye on a borderline narcissist they will fade away they'll either disappear from your life or they'll um try a different strategy uh so the best way uh well the, the best way so i want to shift now i want to shift now to how to deal once you identify that you have a narcissist in your life how do you then deal with that narcissist <clears throat> Most common mistake that I see with people who deal with narcissists, who are locked in parenting arrangements, who are married to them, who are uh, live next door to them, who that it is their boss or it is their coworker. The most common mistake that I see is people are mostly reluctant to disengage. 
And it's because when you're a, when you're a kind, compassionate person, you have an identity, you have an image of yourself that says, I'm not the type of person that bails on people. I'm not the type of person that gives up on people. And that is the problem because that's what the narcissist depends on. The narcissist depends on you forgiving them again and again and again, no matter how bad their behavior becomes. And once you, so here's the thing though, like I said before, you can't negotiate with them. Once you're with a narcissist who is a red line narcissist, a dangerous narcissist, if you try to negotiate with them, what you'll find is you may feel like you had a successful negotiation in one moment. And then the next day when you wake up and you're like, wow, that was really great. I'm so glad that we resolved some of those issues. You'll be like, so they'll be like, um, well, uh, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about, but I really feel like we need to go to the laundromat today because I need to do laundry and, and you are sitting here wanting to have breakfast. Like they'll either pick another fight or spin some sort of justification or they'll, they'll make it impossible for you to follow their train of thought. And so then again, when, when they do that, they're in control of the situation again. So you can't actually negotiate with a red line narcissist. So the red line narcissist, and I'm using this, now's the term that I'm using for a dangerous narcissist. A red line, a narcissist who's past the red line, let's just call him a red line narcissist from now on. A red line narcissist needs to be out of your life. Um, and that's really the bottom line. So if the red line, if you can't get the red line narcissist out of your life, which let's say you're co-parenting with one. If you're co-parenting with a red line narcissist, what you need to do when they try, because a, a, a red line narcissist will pick fights with you. When you stop giving them what they want, they pick fights with you. They don't, the resolution is not part of their uh, makeup. They don't have that. So when they try to pick a fight with you, and when they pick a fight with you, they pick a fight with you in order to get a blast of energy, which makes them feel justified inside, makes them, fills that hole of insecurity that they're masking with these layers of justification, with these layers of taking um, from others, either financially, emotionally, or mentally, or ideas or belief structures. When they engage in a fight and they win that fight, they get a they get a temporary relief from the deep hollow pain that they feel. <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. So it's probably a more important idea coming. So once they get that hit of energy. That's really the whole point for the narcissist. Um, and again, it's so important to, to acknowledge that you have narcissistic tendencies too, that everyone on earth has narcissistic tendencies. You want to be right in conversation. I want to be right in conversation. But you, you keep, if you are, you know, you can, you can develop. If you're not so far gone that you can't actually deal with the the deep deep wound that's in you um, then you can develop and become less of a narcissist and more of a compassionate powerful and productive person in your own right that sees him or herself as an authentic source of power and good in the world the more um the more you can do that so you're on that spectrum you do that then the more you're going to see these narcissists and you get them out of your life um, so back to what to do. So the biggest mistake people make is that they don't disengage. They stay. It, it is really like exercising a vampire. 
in you know there's a reason that in mythology and archetypes that vampires are so hard to kill see really if you adopt the uh, metaphor of a vampire um, that is the narcissist so a narcissist needs to either be metaphorically wood stake through the heart they need to have their head chopped off they you know you need to have garlands of garlic uh, when you know garlic was thought to be an incredibly vital enhancing herb so the reason that the imagery of garlic around your neck or around your house was that that would enhance your internal vitality so that you could then do battle with the uh the the narcissist that's trying to take your energy um so one of the the most important the, the the first strategy is always to one not invent invite the vampire narcissist into your house in the first place your house is your life two to not willingly go into their house into their life so number one with a vampire is as a vampire narcissist is you stay out you do not engage that's the best way to deal with them and what happens is what would happen with a vampire as a vampire stops being able to draw the blood of his victims or her victims, she grows progressively weaker. So the same thing with the narcissist. As the narcissist is unable to take emotional power from you or to take financial power from you or to take mental energy from you, they grow weaker. Now, what unfortunately in the modern world, there's so many victims that what will happen is, is if you cut completely with a narcissist, what they'll do is they'll shift to another victim, just like a vampire, they'll shift to another victim and go suck their emotional, physical, uh, and mental energy to fill their void. <clears throat> so number one is to keep them out of your life. Number two is to exercise them. If you haven't, if you've let them in, which you probably have, or you wouldn't be listening to this, you got to exercise them. Now, exorcisms aren't pretty. They're super, super ugly. You know, the exorcist is a great metaphor for the, the old movie, the exorcist is a great metaphor for what it, what it actually takes to get a narcissist out of your life. Um, or even to get rid of the, uh, the narcissistic tendencies in you to get rid of the narcissistic tendencies in you, you in, in a way, metaphorically, you need to be strapped to the bed like you're in prison while you're washed, while that's starved. Uh, Black Snake Moan is another great archetypal movie about what it takes to starve um, a, a volatile personality, a, a, a succubus narcissist that has fed and preyed on the energy of men. Um, so the point is, is that when you're trying to get a narcissist out of your life, there's not really any way it's not going to be ugly. The only way it's not going to be ugly is if your ties to them were not that deep and you simply remove yourself. So continuing into that strategy, the best way to deal with a narcissist is to A, identify them, and then B, to move, to quit the job. If you're getting a divorce, you got to plan on it being messy. You should get guidance from an attorney and a therapist who knows how to deal with narcissists. The best way to deal with that narcissist inside of those contexts is most people don't actually. I found this when I was trying to get support. Most people don't know how to deal with them. The best way to deal with them 
is to, there's this new idea that I saw on a um, Quora post. It's not a new idea, but it's the way they articulate it. It's great. They call it gray rocking, in which you give them no energy. Whenever they try to pick a fight with you, you just shut down. You're just like, you just agree with them. Um, and that's fine, but you can only do that for so long until it fully depletes your energy. So you got to be doing that while you're getting yourself out of the situation, while you're quitting your job. So that's the big difference. If you just stay and, 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 you know, deadpan somebody and just agree with them about everything that they do, they're going to get worse and worse and worse and take more and more and more until there's none of you left. So you can't just do that. You have to do that and then pull yourself out at the same time. So while you pull yourself out, um, then, uh, then you, at the same time, you have to be dealing with your own narcissist. Well, in the beginning, actually, I would not worry about dealing with your own narcissistic tendencies. In the beginning, just get free. Just get out. Don't worry about what your responsibility is in the relationship because that's what they're counting on. What they're counting on is you to feel guilty about standing up for yourself so that then they could come back in and get their hooks into you again. So you just keep pulling yourself out and just, you know, if you need to demonize them in the beginning, that is fine. I needed to demonize the, uh, the people that were narcissists in my life for probably a year or two. Now I wasn't consciously calling them names, but I needed to hold them in an image in my mind that they were dangerous and that I wasn't really going to start. I mean, I, I couldn't help it. I looked at my own stuff, but I spent more energy just getting them out of my life. So what that looked like for me was was big family rows where uh, I tried to negotiate and then realized there was no negotiation. I did that twice. Uh, and then um, interactions with people in my home site where I had to just hire a lawyer or and um, hold the boundary with as little emotional energy as possible. Because a lot of times what it's going to feel like and what it felt like for me it's going to be one of the most stressful things for me. It was the, one of the most stressful things I had ever taken on was exercising a narcissist from my life. Um, they literally will attack me and will attack you. If they're, if they're past the red nine, they will attack you with no remorse and all of their attacks. And here's the really interesting thing. The narrative that you'll hear them spin, they'll say, it won't, these won't be the words, but this is what the words really are. The narrative that they spin is, why did you make me hurt you? You are making me hurt you. Stop making me hurt you. That is their narrative. So their narrative is that you're responsible for their pain and you're responsible for their abuse of you. Another big underlying point. Now, again, we're all on a spectrum with in terms of taking responsibility for our life. There's all We all have parts that we don't take um, responsibility for and we all have parts that we do take responsibility for. But a narcissist past the red line doesn't have that capacity. They spin narratives that actually trick them into thinking that they're taking responsibility when they don't. Now, again, we all do that to a certain degree, but a narcissist with their lack of ability to feel the pain that they cause others will, uh, in, in their sort of mental isolation, they may be out in the world with people, but they're completely mentally isolated within their own head. Their mental and emotional isolation will cause them to continue to spin this narrative that makes them more and more righteous. You know, narcissists, um, I think the, I forget what the stat is, but sociopaths, murderers, um, hardcore criminals, 
Almost all of them are narcissists, not to mention CEOs and presidents uh, of that sort. Now, there is there is a positive narcissist. Now, positive narcissist is a very, very rare bird. It's kind of like an enlightened master. So in a way, an enlightened master is a narcissist, but their their focus, their internal focus is tempered with a deep compassion for the suffering of the world. So the best way to get rid of the narcissist is to get out of their life. And then here's the mistake. You're going, here's another mistake. You're going to want to get revenge. <laughs> You're going to want to quote unquote, hold them accountable to their actions. You can totally do that. But here's the deal. Narcissists, those people that are the real, uh, the borderlines, the, the, the social isolators, not, not so much the ones that are just the poor me's that are kind of constantly complaining about their own life. Um, the ones that are the, that'll really fight you, they're way better at fighting than you. If you are truly the type of person who's compassionate and who can feel the, uh, the energy of others, um, a narcissist doesn't have to deal with that. They're like the bad guy in the movies who will just go around killing everybody and feel nothing. So if you go to battle with a narcissist, you have to be ready to fight literally to the death. You know, the only thing a narcissist understands is that you're going to take this all the way to the end. You're going to take this to your deathbed or you're going to win. That's the only time they back down. Now, the problem with that is, is that you may have to dedicate your whole life to winning. And if that's the life that empowers you, then I say, by all means, go for it. We need to defeat more narcissists. But for the vast majority of us, we have better things to do with our time. You know, if, you're, if your battle is to fight uh, the, narciss the destructive narcissism of Donald Trump, by all means, dedicate your life to it and take him out, <laughs> take him out so that he's socially ostracized and can do more damage to our world, to the planet. You know, um, you know, someone who's literally killing life on earth faster than anyone else by setting an example of ignoring the energy of life and the, and the, and the, and the hearts of people and what people's bodies need and their minds need. Um, those type of people we should go to battle with. So if you have a big enough, righteous enough battle against a narcissist and you're a fighter, then do it. But most of us uh, have other things to do. A lot of us are teachers, creators, um, uh, you know, administrators. And we have, you know, the other very important part in defeating your own narcissistic tendencies is to become very clear on your distinct powers. And your powers are a, they're a mix of your natural skills, your learned abilities, your, um, your persistence over time, and your interests and your values. So those things all sort of formulae up to get, they, they create a formula in which you become when once you see all those things, once you're, you're either, you're either kind of born with that natural awareness or you have to learn it or somebody teaches you it, once you get really in tune with your natural um, strengths and your deep, really big interests and your, your really core values, um, and, uh, and then you apply those, and, well, then you, uh, and then you really own them, 
then your deep, then your narcissistic tendencies will decrease, um, and you will be able to better deal with those narcissists in the world. So, so by finding that, you're going to discover whether you are a fighter or an administrator or uh, a painter or an artist. Or, and if you already know those things, if you know that you're an artist, then by, then please do not try to fight a narcissist, fight out of a, some sort of tie with a narcissist. Another way to image, you, you, you really need to, to see it this way. Narcissists, if you close your eyes for a second and just visualize that narcissist and the cords, their cords of light or cords of energy or electrical cords, whatever imagery works for you, you'll see that there's probably a cord in your belly. There's probably a cord in your heart. There may be a cord in your head. There may be cords reaching into your entire body if they hold your whole physical being in their web. So those cords need to be cut. Now, when I was cutting the cords with the immediate um, the narcissistic in my world, anyways, those bonds need to be severed. It takes time. It takes really building energy on your part. So as you build that energy, then you'll be able to cut those cords. So cut the cords. Uh, draw the boundaries. Know that it's going to be hard. An interesting thing that'll happen to you as you go in this process is you'll start to build more of your personal power. You'll start to see more clearly what you are capable of. What it feels like when a narcissist is in control of your life is it feels like you're doing the best you can. When you get the narcissist out of your life, all of a sudden new worlds open to you. Often when you see a narcissistic couple, the narcissist will be standing straight up and the partner, the, the slave of the narcissist, will be all crouched over, all hunched into a ball trying to protect their heart and their power center and their gut. You know, stand up tall. I guarantee you, you start standing up taller than the narcissists in your life, they're going to start to fight you, which is really interesting. I mean, it's, 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 that's another identifying, identifying factor. So I'm going to drill this down to the most important things. One, identify the narcissist. The best way to do that is to work, you know, get away from them build up your energy, and come back with an unshakable intention to hold your center. Not to attack them, but to hold your center. And then you'll know. You'll know if there's no possibility of getting to resolution, and you don't fall into a place of blame, but you're, you're holding steady this idea, the idea being, I'm going to leave this interaction, owning my shit, and allowing them to, and, 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 only, and having them own theirs. And if you can't get out of that, then most likely you're with a narcissist. And then the, the sad truth is, is that if you, the other part of that is that you could be the narcissist. And, and the way to identify if you're a narcissist is if you have to have control all the time. If you can't let things go into other people's hands, um, there's, there's emotional narcissists, there's physical narcissists, you know, there's, there's mental narcissists. If you're constantly trying to control the flow of those powers, then you're a narcissist. 
Um, and you, if you're not past the red line, you need to work on that and get that, uh, start to check that back. If you are confident that you can do those things and you're not the narcissist in your relationship, again, if you are the narcissist in your relationship, the past the red line, you're not going to see it. So I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you other than go see a therapist who holds strong boundaries with you. Um, if you can be in relationship, a long-term committed intimate relationship with somebody who holds strong emotional and physical boundaries with you, then there's hope for you. If you can't do that and you require people to um, let you do whatever you want, emotionally, physically, or otherwise, then you're not, you're the narcissist. Um, but so let's say you're not the narcissist. So first, try to ha have that you know, get support too. This is another thing I'm always harping on. Don't try to do any of this alone. You need people who've walked the path before you. Listening to this um, podcast is a good start, but, but you need support around you all the time. If you're in deep relationship with a narcissist, you don't really have enough good support. Or you have people in your life that are like, what are you doing with that person? Get out. And so you got to stop making excuses for them and start listening to those people that are saying, get out. If those people um, aren't enabling you. So the way to know whether advice is good or not is to see if it's tempered. Um, you know, I tell people to demonize their narcissists. But the caveat that I also tell people is, is that once you feel strong in your body and in your mind and in your heart, you've got to go and deal with your own narcissistic tendencies. The truth is, is that if you're engaged with a narcissist, there's a mirror projection relationship between the two of you and you've, um, you're taking on some of the power principles of a narcissist. That's why narcissistic children are raised by, raised by narcissistic parents because they learn that narcissism works. That's why there's narcissists in the world, because it works. So in order to deal with these narcissists, you either become like them. And again, back to the back to the vampire metaphor. You either become a vampire or you're a vampire slayer, which has dedicated his life. Like in, in, in the archetype, the vampire slayer isn't a part-time job. It's a full-time deal. So if you want to be a vampire slayer, a narcissist slayer, it's a lifetime job. You got to just do it for life. Or you you know, stay in the village away from them, you know, close your doors, put garlands of rosaries around your house and protect yourself from them. You can, you can create a wonderful life with no vampires around. Um, uh, but I would also say, you know, that we need support that it's, it's also really good to have a few vampire slayers, a few narcissist slayers in your circle. Um, I'll just say a quick word about this. We overestimate our power to change ourselves. The best way to change yourself is to completely change your social and physical environment. Now, there's an old AA saying that like, wherever you go, there you are, um, and you bring your shit with you and you make shit about your new space. That's not entirely true. What we do is we bring our social, um, our social patterns with us. So if you put yourself in an environment that demands you to be someone different socially, you will change. And that's what most of us don't have the courage to do. That's why in the ancient times, not the ancient times, in the 1800s and 1700s, um, there was tons of, not tons, but, but there were stories of 
settlers who would go live with the natives for a long enough time that they didn't return to the Western way of life. That's because they were in an entirely different social structure that had entirely different social norms, that had entirely different value structure. And once they embedded in that long enough, they completely transformed. Now, today we glorify that in a lot of um, uh, sort of um, modern cultural contexts, but we're still trapped in social norms all the time. We're still trapped in Western civilization and the norms of Western civilization. So what you need to do in order to get out of these narcissistic relationships is to embed yourself in a relationship that demands socially that you be either a vampire slayer or have nothing to do with them. If you look at highly successful people in the world, I'm talking billionaires, founders, teachers, political leaders, they all are highly selective of the people that they surround them with. And that is not an elitist principle. That's a fact of what it takes to function at the highest level. You can't let narcissists in. If you want to function at the highest level, you've got to get them out. And in order to get them out, it's going to be a painful process. You know, um, I'm still waiting to hear a story about someone who does it easily, but I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> So I really like the 150 foot rule. If you get 150 feet away from a narcissist and you stay away that far, um, they're going to lose their power over you. If you don't interact with them, they're going to lose their power over you. You know, if they're constantly sending you texts and emails and you're responding to them, even if you're responding to them in sort of what you think are boundary ways, um, in the beginning, that may be okay, but eventually you've got to just keep holding the line until that, because that's a feed for them. They don't really want to resolve anything with you. It all looks like they're trying to resolve something, but really what they're doing is try to exert some sort of control over you. So you have the way that you remove that control is you remove yourself from the communication. Again, unless you're going to become a vampire, narcissist slayer, then by all means, dedicate your life to that. We need more of you. I am not. I am a teacher. I cannot effectively fight a narcissist. I've tried and I failed multiple times. Now I try to teach people how to deal with them and I work on my own inner power and my own narcissistic tendencies, which have made my life so much more joyous, so much more peaceful. I have a loving family. I have a beautiful house. I have a beautiful child. I have a wonderful relationship in which mutual empowerment and mutually beneficial interactions are the norm, which holding and caring for each other's hearts are the norm. Um, and, and I know that a lot of people can't say that. I'm not tooting my own horn. It's just, it's true, you know. Um, you got to do the work. I guess that's what I'm saying. you got to do the work. And it doesn't have to look like work. It can be a joyous process, but you have to embrace... As you have to embrace, as the Buddhists say, the pain and suffering of life. Now, that doesn't mean that your life is going to be pain and suffering. What that means is, is you don't resist pain and suffering. And the ir irony is, is the less you, resign, the, re, re, the less you resist the, the pain and suffering of transformation, of changing from one state to another in your life, the more you tap into that deep, immortal part of yourself that's filled with joy and power and love. The when you start resisting or when you're in resistance, then you're moving away from that. And nobody's perfect. And we're always moving away and towards it all the time. But you at least have to have it out in front of you that you're moving towards that total equanimity with the full totality of experience of life. 
And again, like the irony is, it's like the Buddhists, they look so happy. That's because they've given up, or the, the most accomplished Buddhist meditators look so happy. That's because they've given up the resistance to the suffering side of life. So the reason I said that whole thing about suffering is because you have to go through the crucible. You've got to walk through it in order to exercise the, the vampire narcissists from your life. It'll happen. It can, but if you stay the course and if you surround yourself with people that will help you get when you fall down and you don't think that you can do it anymore, they'll pick you back up. They'll hold you. You'll get through it. Um, you have to be willing to let go of your ego and your ideas of how you're going to get there. You got to just commit to getting there and then let those people that can help you get you there. The statement really is true that the teacher will come when the student is ready, but also the support group will come when you are ready to be supported out of this dynamic. You also have to acknowledge that there's a reason you stay in narcissistic relationships. You get a power in it. It hurts. It's a bummer, but you get a power in it. You get a self-righteousness in it. You get a justification for who you are in it. You get the most powerful thing in life is our feeling that we are consistent, that we know who we are. So you get that feeling. You know who you are. And in a way, you're going to have to embrace the darkness, the the underwater place that's dark and scary and uncertain. You, you go into that uncertainty and see that you're not going to die. Because that's what it feels like when we try to break old patterns. It feels like you're going to die. And you do little, little, teeny, teeny steps. If all you're doing is not picking up the text, the minute she texts you, that's a good step. And then not the email, that's a good step. And then not the phone call, that's a good step. And then slowly, slowly, slowly keep replacing those interactions with the narcissist, the vampire, with the vampire slayers, the compassionate people who are successful and have what you want in life. I'll just say one more thing about narcissists. They cannot celebrate your success. Narcissists will always find a way to subtly demean your success. It's another identifying fact, characteristic of them. You'll feel like, oh, that kind of felt like a compliment, but I somehow feel a little weird about that. <clears throat> so to get those narcissists out of your life, get yourself around some support group that can help you. Um, I'll start one on this web page. I don't have enough um, of a structure set up yet, but as soon as I do, we'll start some sort of narcissist support group on the webpage, wildlife.net. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Wildlife Education. Um, and I hope this has been valuable. Please send me questions. There's so much in this material that I can't get through in an hour. Normally I do half hour segments. This is probably a 10 hour segment, but let's do it in question and answer form because that's going to make it more focused and direct. I need your support as well because I can't do what I'm trying to do by myself. It doesn't work. Only narcissists think they can do things by themselves. All right. Have a wonderful day. Also subscribe the notification or click on the notification button so you get notifications of when I create new material. Right now I'm creating new material about every two to three weeks. Have a wonderful day. Wonderful day. Wonderful day. Wonderful day. Wonderful day. Wonderful day.